closing rain. Rain on me, yes, Lord. Rain on me, Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost shower. Rain on me, yesterday's, yesterday's gone. Today I'm in need. Holy Ghost shower. Rain on me, so we sing burn. Lord, burn in me, Holy Ghost fire, burn in me, yesterday's gone, today I'm in need, Holy Ghost power, breathe on me, just the voices breathe, breathe on me, come on church, Breathe on me, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost power. Breathe on me, yesterday's gone, today I'm in need. Holy Ghost power, breathe on me, rain on me, so rain on me. Yesterday's gone, today I'm in need. Holy Ghost shower, rain on me. Yesterday's gone, yesterday's gone, today, today I'm in need. Holy Ghost shower. Unto the Lord, welcome. Welcome, Holy Spirit. We are in your presence. Fill us with your power. Live inside of me. So we sing, you're the living water. You're the living water, never dying fountain, comforter, comforter and counselor, take complete control. Come on church, you're the living water, you're the Never dying fountain, 
to get get out of your chairs and welcome those around you. If you see a new face, introduce yourself. Let's love each other. Amen. I know you're used to sitting down, but everybody stand. Let's keep it moving. Let's bring our tithe and offering tonight. It's easier to reach for your wallet when you're standing up. We're going to try to expedite the process tonight. I know the kids need to be in school. They need to be in, uh, in bed early. So can you prepare your tithe and offering right there where you are, please? Grab your phone. Uh, grab an envelope if you need one in front of you, in the chair in front of you. If you need to give your tithe tonight, please do that.
The Bible says that the Lord loves a what kind of giver? We don't use that word cheerful really. A, a happy giver. The Lord loves a happy giver. Don't be a grumpy giver. Don't be a disgruntled giver. Don't be an ungrateful giver. How many can say tonight that God has been good to you? Wait a minute. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's not okay. It is not okay to be ungrateful to the Lord. How many know that God has been good to you? You still sound a little bit ungrateful. How many know that God has been good to you? Good to you. Good to you. When you give, train yourself not to be a grumpy giver. Say, God, you've been good to me. You've been good to my family. You've been good to me, Lord. So when you give, whether it's your tithe or an offering, do it happily. Because the Lord wants to see you giving to him happily. I don't know about you. But it's terrible. Somebody gives you something, they do it with a bad attitude. You're like, who wants that? Here. Keep that. Let's do it happily today. Okay? Father, we love you and we thank you. Lord, you are good in all your ways to us. You are far better to us than we could ever deserve. You woke us up today. You gave us a mind to be in your house. You got us through this day. We're able to finish this day in your presence. Lord, that alone is reason to give you praise tonight. Lord, I pray that as we bring our tithe and our offering, that you would receive it, Lord. We do it with a cheerful and a grateful heart. Lord, forgive us if we're ungrateful, if we don't recognize how good you've been to us. Lord, I pray your blessing for what we give today. Lord, it's little out of the much that you give to us every day. Not only materialistically, but you bless us, Lord, in ways we cannot even see. So, Lord, may your blessing rest upon your people tonight as they give. We do it joyfully, Lord, tonight. This we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Man, come happy as you give. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. His name is Jesus, 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 Jesus. Oh, He is the King. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord. Of His name is Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Oh, He is the King. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Be seated. Before I dismiss the children, keep my uh, brother Jason in prayer. Uh, some of you know what he's been struggling with, and um, uh, let me tell you something, uh, mental illness, depression, and those issues are very serious issues in the church, <clears throat> and, uh, and, I'm, and I'm not ashamed to talk about those things, uh, because a lot of times in the church, when we don't talk about those issues, uh, ultimately they go unaddressed, and that's not the will of God. And so I want you to pray for my family. Pray for my brother Jason. If you don't ever see him here, that means that means that he's in need. He needs the Lord. He's we're we're still we're still waiting on God. Uh, we're still praying for him. But I need I need you to continue pray to pray for him. 
I'm not asking you to do it. Just do it as the Lord brings him to your remembrance. You don't need to get on your knees all the time and lay out unless the Lord tells you to do that. But if the Lord brings him to your mind, say a prayer right then and there. Don't, don't, don't do it later. I, I Develop the habit of praying on the spot. You just say, Lord, touch my brother wherever he's at, Lord. If he brings him to your remembrance, and how many of you will pray for him? Thank you for that. I appreciate that. Uh, real soon, we're going to be doing a symposium, uh, just, just, uh, uh, just a, a, um, uh, a special service, I guess, on mental health, on depression. Uh, not only depression, but the things that, that usually accompany depression, alcoholism, uh, different addictions that come along with depression. Some people are depressed and you don't realize it. In fact, I'm going to go a step further. Many people are depressed and they themselves don't realize that they're depressed. They medicate uh, that depression in different ways. And so ultimately, uh, I'm going to have my good friend, Dr. Marty, come back. He's trained in that field extensively. And uh, especially with the recent suicide of a young pastor in Chino Hills, which is so close to us. It's so close to us. We're going to deal with those things, uh, ministry, depression, suicide, and things of that nature. And how many of you here know that you can love Jesus, be full of the Holy Ghost, and still struggle mentally? Yeah, the prophet wanted to die. That's right. He literally said, God, I want to die. I'm done. I'm through. Take me now. I'm the only one living for you, God. And God had to say, you're not the only one here. But ultimately, he did have a desire to stop living. It's a, it's a reality for us. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. You can love the Lord, be saved, and still struggle in a very real way. Amen, somebody? Amen. All right. Thank you for that. Don't forget, on Sunday morning, we're here, uh, 8 a.m., 9 30 11 uh, if you're new to the church god bless you we're glad to have you tonight welcome uh, our prayers that the lord will minister to you tonight welcome to bible study we'd love to have you back on sunday you can come at uh, again our services are 8 9 30 and then 11 in coachella in spanish okay so thank you for being here tonight all right uh, children you're dismissed go quietly to your class please god bless you Praise God. Let's get into the word, everybody. I want, I want to try to let you go uh, around 8 o'clock if we can do that. That's the goal. No promises, but we'll try our best, okay? Uh, today we continue our study on pneumatology, which is a theological study of the Holy Spirit of God. And we will be focusing on spirit baptism today in Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. We have a lot of scripture. Uh, Sister Tanya, uh, I, want, I want to thank God publicly for Sister Tanya. She does a great job back there. And, uh, and, and uh, yeah, come on, give her a big God bless you. It's not easy to work with pastors. She has to move quickly, but uh, she, she has the grace to do it. Uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 1 through 4. Today we're going to talk about spirit baptism, what it is, what it isn't, what the scripture says about it. All right. Let's stand for the reading of the word, and then we'll pray, everybody. Again, let's get through it. We want to get, uh, we want to get the word in, and we can be on our way. Ready? Read. They were all together in one place. Everybody say one place. And... There came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. Stop. Notice it says, suddenly there came a sound. A sound from the people? A sound from the people? Where was the sound from? The sound was from heaven. Don't miss that. There came a sound from heaven like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. What filled the house? Not the wind. The sound. 
See, we gloss over these things and they're right there. The sound filled the house. It was like a mighty rushing wind, but he's talking about a sound. Okay. Uh, Verse 3, ready? And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. Verse 4. And they were all with the Holy Spirit and began to as they were all and they were all and they were all they were all filled and they began to speak they were filled and they began to speak they were filled and they began to speak they were filled and they began to speak in other tongues as the spirit gave them utterance. Bow your hearts. Lord, help us tonight to understand your word. I pray the Holy Spirit of God would lead us and guide us into all truth. Your word is truth. Lord, give us ears to hear, a heart to receive, and the grace to apply. Anoint me, Lord, to teach it like you gave it to me. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Be seated, please. Sister, go with me with the first part. Let's begin by understanding that the coming of the Spirit on the day of Pentecost... The coming of the Spirit on the day of Pentecost that we find in the book of Acts was unprecedented. It was a unique, please hear me, it was a unique, it was a historic once and for all and unprecedented and unrepeatable event that is connected with the institution of the new covenant. I say that to say this, I don't believe that what happened on the day of Pentecost has to happen ever again. I believe that it was a one-time occurrence. I don't believe that today... That it is even necessary. Now, I'm not saying that God won't do it if he he can do whatever he wants to do. But I don't think that today that you're going to see tongues of fire appear on the heads of people. I don't think that there needs to be a sound heard from heaven. There are a lot of people that take what happens in the book of Acts, especially on the day of Pentecost, and they say, well, we're waiting for that mighty rushing wind. We're waiting for these things to happen. Notice that that was unique. It was unique outpouring that day of Pentecost. How the Lord moved then is not necessarily how he's going to move now. We have to understand that. And so our desire is not to duplicate or replicate what happened on the day of Pentecost. That was a unique one-time happening. Somebody say amen if you're following the thought here. Now, the scripture plays that out. Now, what I want to do tonight is talk about what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Last week, we talked about how when we're saved, the Holy Spirit baptizes us into Christ. The Holy Spirit, we are baptized into Christ by the Holy Spirit. But Jesus is the one who baptizes us with the Holy Spirit. There's a difference. The Holy Spirit baptizes us into Christ. Christ comes and baptizes us with the Holy Spirit. Okay? Now, what we need to understand today is how theologically the book of Acts plays out uh, by uh, Luke, by the way, who wrote the book of Acts. Luke wrote the book of Acts. It plays out, and we're going to see this clearly, that being filled with the Holy Spirit or spirit baptism is a distinct happening. It is not the same as being saved or regenerated. The word right there, regeneration, is never, the, the term being filled with the Holy Spirit, when we see it in the Bible, is never used in, in reference to being born again or regenerated. The term filled with the Holy Spirit is always, it is always a secondary happening. It's something that happens after one is saved. Now, it might happen concurrently. Some people are saved and filled with the Holy Spirit. I, you and I are great. I'm, I'm grateful, I should say, that in this church, part of our legacy is, is my grandmother, Gonzalez, uh, Pastor Alice's mother. She was, watch this, she was red bone Catholic. She was saved. She came to Jesus in Mexico. She gave her heart to Christ. She was the first one out of her entire family to come to Jesus. She gave
gave her life to Christ, watch it now, and she was baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit right then and there after being saved, and she began to speak in another tongue as the Holy Spirit gave her the utterance. That tongue that she began to speak in was perfect English. Absolutely perfect English. She didn't know a word of English, and she began to worship and glorify Jesus in perfect English, and everybody that heard her were astonished, literally, with their mouth open, like, who in the world taught her English? Nobody. She began to magnify and glorify Jesus in perfect English. No accent, nothing. It wasn't Rosa, what is it, Rosetta Stone? No, a perfect English. Now, I, I got a lot of information in my head and a little bit of time. What happened on the day of Pentecost, the language, the Spirit of God fills the room. Tongues of fire sit on their head. They begin to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. The tongues that are spoken of that day, somebody say that day. On that day, they were languages that could be understood by other people around them. Now, I'm going to talk about what tongues are because I think there's a lot of misunderstanding as to what tongues are, what they can be, and what they are not. Okay? On the day of Pentecost, the tongues that were spoken by those that day were tongues or languages that could be discerned. Okay, now we're going to talk about that a little bit more. Now, I want you to take note about this. What we see in the book of Acts chapter 8, write these things down. Acts chapter 8, verse 14 through 20, we're limited on time. Acts chapter 9, verse 17. Acts chapter 10, verse 44. You're going to have to get the CD. Acts 10, 44 through 48 and Acts 19, 1 through 7. Every single person that received the Holy Spirit, every person that was filled with the Holy Spirit had some kind of evidence to accompany that spirit filling. There was always evidence to follow. Okay, so put it up there. So secondly, we understand that baptism with the Holy Spirit, being filled with the Holy Spirit, with the initial physical evidence of speaking in another tongue is a distinct experience from salvation. They are not the same thing. When you're saved, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. Last week, we talked about how he moves in. Somebody shout, he moved in. When you're saved, the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you. That's why you don't want to cuss like you used to cuss. That's why you don't smoke like you used to smoke, drink like you used to drink, do what you used to do. Now, do you still make mistakes? Do you still make mistakes? Do you still sin every day? You better shout, yes, you do. You know you do. We still sin every day. Being saved doesn't make you sinless, but it will make you sin less. I'll say that again. Being saved doesn't make you sinless, but you will sin less. Hallelujah. Let me just throw this out there while I'm on the subject. You can't be saved and be the same. If Jesus moves in, when the Holy Ghost moves in, some stuff are going are gonna, to... Things are going to come out. Jesus comes in, things go out. That's how this works. You can't say, hey, I'm saved, and you're the same old dude. You, you haven't been saved. You, you, you might have you you got some goosebumps. You might have filled out the card, but you ain't saved. If you're the same, no, there's going to be a change in you. It might be slow to come, but there's going to be a change. At the very least, he's going to change your desires. Nobody said amen at Abundant Life. All right. So when, the whole, when you're saved, the Holy Spirit, what? He moves in. Somebody say he moves in. But being baptized with the Holy Spirit, that word baptism is baptizo, and it means to be immersed, completely immersed. Okay? The Holy Spirit moves in when we're saved. Get, don't ever misunderstand. Don't ever misinterpret that. The Holy Spirit of God lives on the inside of you. But being baptized with the Holy Spirit happens after you're saved. In fact, the only requisite or prerequisite to being baptized or filled with the Holy Spirit is that you must be saved. 
The Spirit of God will not, cannot, we, there is no biblical precedent of anybody being baptized or filled with the Holy Spirit if they have not first given their life to Jesus. You can't be filled with the Holy Ghost if you haven't been born again. You have to be saved first. Everybody say, I got to be saved first. Now, with that said, understand that the New Testament, I'm going to lay some foundation here. The New Testament nowhere equates the expression filled with the Holy Spirit with regeneration or salvation. That re word regeneration is a $2 word for to be saved, to be regenerated. It's always used, the term filled with the Holy Spirit is always used in connection with people who are already believers. They're already saved. Anytime somebody is filled with the Holy Spirit... They are already followers of Jesus. Are we clear about that? Now, let's go to Acts chapter 19, verse 2. This is the proof here that we see. In Acts chapter 19, verse 2, Paul makes his way. Some of you might know this scripture already. But Paul comes to Ephesus, and he finds some disciples here in Ephesus. Watch it now. And he asks them, they've already been saved. He asked them, they had been baptized under the baptism of John or baptism of repentance. And he asked them the following question. Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? Very important. They had already believed, already been baptized, already repented. Paul comes to Ephesus and he says the following. Luke records it. Watch what he says. Ready? Are you there? Ready? Read. Uh-huh. Okay. And they said? This is good. Let's read it again. And he said to them, what did he say to them? Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And what did they say? And they said? not even heard. We haven't even heard we haven't even heard about the holy spirit this is key they were a group of believers paul says did you receive the holy ghost so that tells us this there are there are there's a there's a there's a lot of believers that think, that, that understand that when they got saved the spirit of god took a residence in them but then they believe some preachers would lead them to believe that they've been baptized or filled with the holy spirit that's not correct You'll never find in the word of God where it says being filled with the spirit that it's talking about regeneration or salvation. Being filled with the spirit is a distinct experience that the Lord ultimately does in us. It's not the same. Okay, again, I repeat, you're not a second class citizen. Doesn't mean that you're less than, no. But it's a distinct and unique experience that every believer can and should have. All right? Acts 19 tells us that. They're not the same thing. If you're saved, praise God, the Spirit of God lives in you. But that doesn't mean that you've yet been filled with the Holy Ghost. Are you following? Now, how do we know that? Because Paul talked as if, as if there was something that they, that they could point to. Now, please, please hear me. If Paul asked them, have you received, have you been filled with the Holy Spirit since you believed? They said no. Now, the fact that they said no means that Paul was looking for evidence. Paul, in other words, assumed that they would know if they'd been filled. If being filled with the Spirit is, is likened unto salvation, then that means that there wouldn't be anything that they could point to. They could only say, yes, I've given my heart to Jesus. He would say, if, if being filled with the Spirit was the same as believing in Jesus, then he would say, have you believed yet? Are you following the thought? They had already believed, but he asked them, have you received since you believed? So believing in Jesus is not the same as being filled with the Holy Spirit. Yes, the Holy Spirit lives inside, but being baptized with the Holy Spirit, it's not the same thing. Paul was asking them a question as if he knew that there would be some kind of evidence to follow that feeling with the Spirit. There was something that would identify the fact that they'd been what? Filled. There's an old song that says, do you got it or, or I got it, do you got it like the Bible says. 
And so, in, in essence, really, there's truth in that. When we receive the Spirit of God or the filling of the Holy Ghost, there's going to be something that we can say, something to point to it. Now, how many of you went, uh, how many of you have ever gone to a concert back in the day, uh, and, or, or you, went, you went on a vacation, or you went to Cabo or something, and then you got a tattoo to prove it while you were on vacation? How many got a tattoo? How many have ever gotten a vacation tattoo? Why are you na- laughing nervously like, <laughs> I don't want to talk about that? Nobody has ever gotten a vacation tattoo? Wow. Um, you you got one? Okay, what was it? Do you mind telling me? I don't want to see it, but what was it? Look, he's like, oh, no. <laughs> dolphins on a beach. Were you on a beach when you got the dolphins on a beach? There you go, brother. Congratulations. All right. So I bet you that that's always a reminder of what? Of that trip, right? Okay. So he has evidence. I know that's a very, very simple and silly example to use. But that's how Paul was likening, the, that's, that's, what, that's his thought process behind the question in Ephesus. He says, hey, did you receive? In other words, there's going to be something, there's going to be something, evidence, that you're going to know that you what? That you got it. If you're wondering if you got it, I'm going to use some poor grammar. If you're wondering if you got it, you ain't got it. It's really that simple. Now, let's, 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 let's go further. Let's move on. So Acts 19, it's very key. So in the book of Acts, everywhere, that, everywhere the receiving of the Holy Spirit is described, it's experiential. Okay? It's experiential. It's not inferred, nor is it. It's not inferred. Okay? It's not something that's inferred. There's always an experience to follow the filling of the Holy Spirit. Everywhere in the book of Acts, I'm going to take you to the word in just a minute. Hang out with me. I'm laying this foundation. Now, secondly, in the book of Acts... A person knows when he receives the Holy Ghost because it's followed by something that they can point to. There's something they can point to. Yes, I got it. Have you been filled? Yes, I've been filled. How do I know? Because the Spirit filled me, came upon me, breathed on me, and I began to speak in other tongues as he gave me the utterance. There's going to be evidence. Somebody shout evidence. You're going to know you got it. You're going to know and thank God that the Lord has given us something that we can know that we've been filled with the Holy Spirit. Something initially that lets us know that we've received the Holy Spirit. Now, Luke talks about it. Let's continue. Sister. Luke gives us uh, a, a ways of describing how the Holy Spirit comes. Now, this is so important that we learn these things. And I'm moving quickly. But Luke's, Luke describes for us in great detail how the Holy Spirit comes. Uh, th- there are at least seven things that I want to share with you here uh, to begin. Number one, when the Holy Spirit comes... The Holy Spirit is referred to here in these verses as a gift that is being given to God's people. The Holy Spirit is given to the people of God as a gift. By the way, when you see those numbers, it's all from the book of Acts. Acts chapter 8, verse 18. Acts 5, 32. Acts 15, 8. And sister, can you help me? Let's go to the book of Acts chapter 8, verse 18. Luke talks about how the Holy Spirit was given. Watch it now. Acts chapter 8, verse 18. We're going to read this verse and consider this for a little bit later, but let's read it now. Ready? Read. Through the lane, he what? He offered their money. Now I'm going to talk about this a little bit a little bit later. Here we here we know that. How do we know that the spirit of God or the, or spirit baptism is always accompanied by evidence? How do we know that? Because Simon saw somebody receive the gift or the filling of the Holy Spirit. There was evidence there. How do we know that it's not just salvation? Because there there wouldn't be any evidence there. Simon saw and he heard. He saw them receive and heard them speak. And guess what he tried to do? He tried to buy it. He said, I want this power. How much is it? I want the power to lay hands on people so they can be filled with the Holy Ghost. And he tried to buy it. 
if it was something that's unseen and unheard, if there was no effect or anything to follow, he wouldn't have anything to say, hey, I, I want that, I want to buy that power. Are you following the thought here? Simon tried to buy it. He said, I, 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 I want that. By the way, God has nothing for sale. And I hope somebody's listening to this podcast right now that believes that they can buy something from God. God has nothing for sale. If you heard somebody tell you that if you sow a certain amount of money into their ministry that God is going to do X, Y, and Z, it's a lie. Anything that comes from heaven doesn't have a dollar sign attached to it. There's only one currency that God responds to, and it's faith. For without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he that comes to God must believe that he is God and that he is a rewarder of them who diligently seek him. There's only one thing he responds to, and that's faith. Somebody shout faith. You don't have to buy. You can't buy a miracle. That's baloney. All right, I'm going to move on. I don't want to get stuck there. I get worked up. Secondly, Luke talks about how the Holy Spirit then falls upon people. So the Holy Spirit is given. Somebody say the Holy Spirit is given. given. Somebody say the Holy Spirit is given. It's given. given. Number two, the Holy Spirit falls on people. Falls on us. He falls on us. Acts chapter 8, verse 16. Sister, do you got it? Acts chapter 8, verse 16. And then then give me Acts chapter 10, verse 44. And then we'll move on. Uh, Acts chapter 8, verse 16. Uh, While she gets it, does somebody have it? Go there in your Bible. I want you to help me because there's a lot of scripture and she might not have it all yet up there on the screen. Acts chapter 8. Who can read it? Acts chapter 8, verse 16. Who has it? Nobody has their Bible out to Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8, verse 16. Ready? For yet he had... Put it in my... For yet... Oh. For as yet he had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Good. Acts chapter 8, verse 16. For he had not yet what? The Holy Ghost had not yet what? Fallen on any of them, but they had only been what? Baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. They were saved, but they had not been what? Filled. The Holy Ghost had not what? Fallen on them. So Luke says the Holy Spirit's given. Secondly, he says the Holy Spirit falls on us. Acts chapter 10, verse 44. It's about to be up there on the screen, but, uh, but if it's not up there on the screen, somebody go to Acts chapter 10, verse 44. You got it? Ready? Read. Yeah. While Peter yet spoke these words, the Holy Ghost fell up all all them which heard the word. As Peter, as Peter, Peter, who is Peter? I don't know who Peter is. As Peter yet spoke the word, the Holy Ghost, what? Fell. Somebody shout, fell. The Holy Spirit fell on those who what? Who heard the word. By the way, this is a key preaching point. I could, I could teach this for a moment. Stop trying to be filled with the Holy Spirit while neglecting the word of God. There is a biblical precedent to opening up your ears to the word of the Lord and having the Holy Spirit come and fall on you. By the way, some of the greatest movements of the Spirit that you should ever encounter in your walk with God should be moments where you were hearing the word of the Lord. Because we're going to talk later in the weeks to come what the Holy Spirit does in, in us, for us, and it's not just baptizing us. It's not just giving us a prayer language or speaking another tongue. No, that's just the initial evidence. That's just the beginning of this thing. The Spirit of God leads us and guides us into all truth. And some of the greatest movings and some of the greatest encounters you'll ever have with the Holy Ghost is while you are listening to the Word of God. You see, today in church we think, man, what a move of God. People were running, jumping, crying. And they don't ever, they don't ever see how in the, word, in the Word of God, when you read and when you, when, when you study these encounters, Oftentimes, the great moving of the Spirit or, fa- or the falling of the Spirit happens after the proclamation of the gospel. The word of God is given, Spirit falls. 
you don't see fast music. You don't see all the things that we tend to like in movings of the Spirit in the Scripture. We don't see those things. No show, no lights, no hoopla. The word of the Lord is given. Holy Spirit falls. Are you following? Okay. Uh, so let's continue. So the Holy Spirit also falls upon people. Thirdly, we see how the Holy Spirit then comes upon people. Okay. The Holy Spirit coming upon his people. Acts 1.8. We already read it. Now let's read Acts chapter 19 verse 6. Uh, but you, well, I'll read it. Thank you. Acts 1.8. But you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has what? Come upon. Somebody shall come upon me. Good. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon me. Now go to Acts chapter 19, sis, if you have it. Let's read together. Ready? Read. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit, and they began. And? Prophesying. Paul laid his hands on them. The Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in what? They began speaking in what? Speaking in tongues and prophesying. Very good. We'll, we'll talk about that a little bit later. So the Holy Spirit comes upon his people. Fourthly, the Holy Spirit is poured out upon his people. Fourthly, the Holy Spirit is poured out upon his people. Acts chapter 2, verse 17, and Acts chapter 10, verse 45. Ready, read. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will on your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall. If you're a dreamer, you're getting old. If you're seeing visions, you're still young. I didn't say it. The Lord said it. If you're dreaming, you're old. If you're seeing visions, you're young. Congratulations. Some of you are like, I have visions and dreams, and you're in a midlife crisis. Acts chapter 10. Ready? Read. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was what? Jewish believers were amazed because the Holy Ghost fell on? Gentiles. They were of the circumcision. They had believed in Jesus. They received the promise of the Father. These are Jews. Then Peter comes, preaches to Gentiles, and the Holy Ghost is poured out on them. And they're what? They're amazed. You mean these people can receive the Holy Ghost? They were amazed. Now, let me help you. If Peter were to come today, he'd be sitting in a building full of Gentiles. Gentiles. And if Jewish believers came and saw us, they'd be, like, they'd be amazed that people like us were filled with the Holy Spirit of God. But it was poured out. Somebody shall pour it out. And the Holy Spirit's poured out. These are the ways that the Holy Spirit comes. This is, the, this is what the Scripture teaches. The Holy Spirit is poured out. Fifthly, we, we, uh, Luke talks about how people received the Holy Spirit. Okay? The Holy Spirit is given. The Holy Spirit is poured out. The Holy Spirit is received. We receive. Somebody shout, we receive. We receive the Holy Spirit. Acts 2, verse 38. Acts 8, 15. Uh, uh, we're not going to read all these verses. Thank you, sister. Acts 2.38, give, give me the point again. We're short on time. Acts 2.38, 8.15, Acts 17, Acts 10.47. Six, the, Luke, uh, again, number six, Luke talks about being baptized in the Spirit. Acts chapter 1, verse 5, and then we are going to read this, and then Acts 11, verse 16. Now give me Acts chapter 1, verse 5. This is where we get the term baptized in the Holy Spirit. Uh, Acts chapter 1, verse 5. Does somebody have it in their Bible? Re oh, there it is. Ready? Read. For John baptized with water, but you will be... Not many days from now. John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. 
Thank God for that promise. This is where we get the term baptized with the Holy Spirit. Okay, now we're going to talk about the evidence in just a moment. Lastly, the scripture talks about being filled. We're baptized and then we're also filled with the Holy Spirit. Number seven, we are filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 9, verse 17. Uh, let's read it and then we're going to talk about a little bit about the initial evidence. Acts chapter 9, verse 17. Do you have it? All right, ready? Read. Whoa, whoa, that's Acts chapter 19. Uh, it's okay. Let's move on. Acts chapter, uh, oh, there, wow, Sister Tanya, God bless you. You're earning your keep today. Ready? Read. So Ananias departed and entered the house. And laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you came, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be, and be what? And be what? Great. This is, this is Saul. He has an encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus. Jesus knocks him off his high horse. Some of you are still on yours, but your day's coming. <clears throat> Saul's riding his horse on the road to Damascus. Jesus knocks him off his high horse. He goes blind after seeing Jesus. Because not only you can't have an encounter with God and walk the same, and you can't have an encounter with God and keep the same eyes. You can't, hello, Jacob, you can't have an encounter with the living God and walk the same. He's going to touch you in your hip. You're going to be limping out of that encounter. Number two, you can't have an encounter with the living God and have the same vision. Impossible. He'll change what you see. So Ananias comes. He, now, Ananias, by the way, I love, this, I love the story. He didn't even want to go. If you've read the account, he told the Lord, I'm not going. You want me to go to his house? Go to his house. I ain't going to his house. You know who you're sending me to? He's a killer. He's going to kill me. Go there. Call them brother. Incredible. Brother Saul. <laughs> brother Saul. The Lord Jesus that appeared to you, he sent me to your house, bro. <laughs> I didn't want to come. Send me here to lay hands on you so that you could what? Regain your sight and be filled. Filled with the Holy Ghost. Paul needed to be filled. So do we. Now, all of these things are seen clearly in the scriptures. Now, sister, let's continue. These are found in six instances in the book of Acts. Every one of them, every one of them is experienced with effects. Every one of them has evidence. Every single one. There are some people who don't believe that it's normative. They believe that this was just a one-time thing. They're cessationists. They tend to be Baptist or conservative. They said that was then, that doesn't happen anymore. But it was the norm. It was absolutely normal for somebody to be filled with the Spirit and then for there to be evidence or effects that could be pointed to. They got it. How do we know they got it? Because we heard. We saw. We heard and we saw. There's always evidence. Now, I'm going to give you these six uh, accounts in the book of Acts now. Again, we began. The first one is in Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 2, verse 4, and verse 11. At Pentecost, there was speaking in tongues and praising the mighty works of God and they had the power to witness. This is the first account. Luke gives us at least six. This is the first one. We see it in Acts on the day of Pentecost. The day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2. They all began to speak in tongues. They began to praise God. And they had the power to witness. This was my grandma Gonzalez. She began to praise God. She received the filling of the Holy Ghost. She began to praise God. Not only that, but she also began to witness to her family. How many know it takes boldness to witness to your family? 
Come on now, you, 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 you come to Christ and it takes boldness. Some of you are still scared, but don't be, uh, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. He will give you boldness. When we're not witnessing for Jesus because you need, you need to be filled and refilled, let me just say this too. Being filled with the Holy Ghost is not a one-time, thank you, Lord, I got another language and that's it. No, we are constantly filled and refilled. We need to be filled and refilled. Come on, we need to be filled and refilled. We need to be filled and refilled. You better believe you need a refilling of the Holy Spirit. You should ask him, come on now, Lord, I need you to fill me. Restore unto me the joy of that salvation. Give me boldness. Lord, my boldness is waning. Give me boldness to be a witness. Secondly, in Acts chapter 8, verse 18, we, we read about Samaria. There's something so obvious in this experience. We're going to read it again. There was something that happened when they were filled with the Holy Ghost that Simon the sorcerer saw it. He's amazed by it, and he wants the power to make it happen. Now let's go there in your Bible, Acts chapter 8, verse 18. Now, sister, can you give me a few verses before for context? Acts chapter 8, verse 18. Give me verse 17 if you can. If you can, just a moment or go in your Bible. Somebody help me read this while she does that. Acts chapter 8, verse 17. Acts chapter 8, verse 17. If you can give me verse 17. You got it? Go ahead, brother. Oh, there it is. Everybody together. Ready? Read. Then they laid their hands on them and... They received the Holy Spirit. Verse 18. Now, when Simon saw that the Spirit was given. Stop. Read that again. Now, when Simon saw. Stop. Simon saw. If we're filled with the Spirit when we get saved, how can you see it? Have you been, are you saved, brother? Are you saved? Yes or no? Yes? How can I see that? Now, here's the point. Now, I know actions and fruit matter, but I can't see. It's not something I can see. I have to believe. Is there going to be evidence of salvation? Yes, there will be. But when did it happen? You could tell me it happened on this day. I can't see anything. Simon saw. When Simon saw that the Spirit was given through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he what? He offered them money. This is in Samaria. He saw the apostles lay hands. They were filled with the Holy Ghost. He saw something, and not only did he see, but he heard something. Okay? So this is the second account that we see in Acts chapter 8, verse 18. There was something so obvious. There was an experience that Simon saw it. He was amazed, and he wanted to buy that power to make it happen. Thirdly, the third account, is this, we're moving along, is in Acts chapter 10. Go there in your Bible. In Acts chapter 10, we see in Caesarea, well, keep the point up there, sister. You're doing great, by the way. You're doing great. In Acts chapter 10, in Caesarea, watch it now, we see the house of Cornelius. The Spirit of God, I love this account, the Spirit of God fills the house of Cornelius. And they began speaking in tongues and praising God. Now, this is an account where they heard the gospel, they get born again, and then they get filled with the Holy Ghost. I love the house of Cornelius. Watch it. Let's read it. Acts chapter 10, verse 46. Ready? Read. Next verse, verse 47. Sister, I'm sorry. Verse 47, ready, read. Can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then they asked him to stay a few days. Now, what happens here is that Peter comes to the house of Cornelius, preaches the gospel to them. They believe and they're filled with the Holy Ghost. They hadn't even been baptized in water yet. So the only prerequisite of being filled with the Holy Spirit is what? you got to be what? Saved. Once you're saved, 
you can receive spirit baptism. You can be filled with the Holy Ghost. That's what happened in the house of Cornelius. So in other words, Peter's saying, hey, they've already been, they've been saved. They've been filled with the Spirit. Who can keep them from being baptized now? Are you following me? So this is the third happening here. Acts chapter 10, Caesarea, the house of Cornelius. Fourth, the fourth one we see is in Acts 19. Now, in Acts 19, verse 6, go there in your Bible. In Acts chapter 19, verse 6, Paul, again, we already read it. He's in Ephesus. He finds the disciples of John, and they're speaking in tongues, and they are prophesying. We find that in Acts chapter 19, verse 6. We already read it. I'm not going to do that. You have the point up there. Again, Paul laid, his, <clears throat> Paul laid his hands on them. The Holy Spirit came on them. They began speaking in tongues and prophesying. Okay? The fifth occurrence we find in Acts chapter 9, verse 17 and 22, Paul's conversion. There is boldness. And there is the power to witness. Okay? These are all effects of being filled with the Holy Spirit. These are all evidences that you've been filled with the Holy Ghost. You're going to speak. You're going to prophesy. There's going to be something to hear. Some tangible evidence or effect of being filled with the Holy Ghost. I've given you more than enough evidence. I could close. We can close shop right now. And you should be able to walk away and say, okay, now I know because you've made it pretty, cl pretty clear ad, ad nauseum that being saved, the Holy Spirit moves in. But it's not the same as being filled with the Holy Ghost or being baptized with the Spirit. They're distinct occurrences. You've already seen that. There were, there were believers who had not yet been filled with the Holy Ghost. Don't you ever believe somebody telling you, if you're saved, the Holy Spirit, that you've already been filled. That's not correct. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you, but spirit baptism, being baptized with the Spirit, is a separate experience. And, 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 and I cringe at that word experience. I don't like that word. Because today, people are after an experience instead of pursuing Jesus. But for the lack of a better word, I'm using it for you. But I want you to also be guarded against that. We are not, an, we are not led by our feelings, nor should we be driven by experiences. Every error, every error in Christendom, I, and I don't, I don't mix words here. Every error in Christendom is propagated and perverted by an experience, an experience that is counterfeit to what is genuine. Satan will take what God has given to his people. He will pervert it, and he will give people what they desire, not Jesus, an experience. Satan knows when people are after an experience instead of God, he knows it. And he's going, and you got to be careful that he not deceive you with signs and wonders. The false prophet will be given power to deceive many. How? Through signs and wonders that he's going to perform. So we don't follow after signs and wonders. Those things follow us. And these signs shall follow they that believe in my name. They will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Cast out devils, raise the dead. We don't follow after signs and wonders. Signs and wonders follow you. There's a difference. Do we believe in signs? Yes. Somebody help me here. Do we believe in signs and wonders? Yes. Do we follow them? No, they follow us. Somebody say signs follow me. <clears throat> Somebody say signs follow me. Don't ever run after a sign. Years ago in Thermal, they, they were saying, oh, uh, the, the, uh, something appeared in the window. I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was, uh, what was it? It was a door? What was it? And they said it was something there, right? Something crying or there was an image or something. E e even things like tortillas and bread and the, the face of Jesus appearing in bread. Let me tell you something. You don't need Jesus to show up in a piece of bread to believe. Bread is for toast. Well, you're laughing. But you, know, you know how many people go, oh, I want to go. Let's go see. Let's go light a candle. 
Before you know it, they have, they have so many people going that they start charging the seat. The Lord's, the Lord's face showed up in a piece of bread. Stop that. What he's given you in his word is enough. You don't need anything more than that. Y'all sometimes stress me out. When I say things like you don't need anything more than his word, there should be a resounding amen. Because we're living in days of deception when people in masses are being led astray. And they're being led astray because the word of God for most, for a lot of people today, it's no longer enough. They want something extra. They want something outside of the word of God. You don't need to go outside of the word of God. I've told you this for years here. If I had to choose a service between Wednesday and Sunday, when we had the biggest crowd, it would be Wednesday. Not that I don't like Sunday, but, but I'd rather have people in Bible study with their Bible open in their lap, taking notes, seeing the word of God for what it is. Not that they can't do that on a Sunday, but Wednesday Bible study is just as important, if not more important. Because what else are you going to stand on, live on, if not the word of God? Let's continue. We're almost done. Thank God that we'll have next week unless the Lord comes for us before then. Six, Acts chapter 5, verse 32. Not only is there power to witness and boldness, but there's obedience to God. Being filled with the Holy Ghost is going to help you obey him. How about that? How many want to obey the Lord? <laughs> I'm not even going to, I'm going to close my eyes. I don't want to see your hand. How many want to obey the Lord? Amen. I'm, I'm believing by faith. Every hand's raised right now. Now, how many of you struggle to, to obey sometimes? <laughs> we struggle to obey the Lord, right, sometimes? Do you, you don't struggle to obey God? You don't struggle with that? Wow, what are you, super Christian? Who are you? <laughs> Some of, you, some of you don't give your tithe because you struggle to obey the Lord. Your God is your money. Your God is your wallet. You trust in your dollar instead of God. You struggle to obey. Some of you know that you belong in church. The Bible says don't forsake the assembling of yourself, but you struggle to obey. You struggle to get here. Your problem's not with the preacher. Your problem's not with the church. Your problem's, your problem's with obeying God. I know you want to blame everybody else, but no, your problem is obedience. The Holy Ghost will help you to obey the Lord. Yeah. Acts 5, verse 32. Obedience is a strong mark of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't know how many times the Spirit of God will be a random place and the Spirit of God will nudge me to go and share the gospel with somebody. When the Spirit of God is actively working in your life, he's going to lead you and he wants you to obey. He wants you to obey him. All right, let's continue. Sixthly, we're almost done. Uh, and uh, <coughs> that's six. Uh, now, let's talk about evidential tongues. I'm sorry, I said six. I just gave you six. Now, evidential tongues. Now, let's move quickly through here. Um, I'm, I'm five minutes over time. I told you we'd be done by eight. In Acts 2, the languages that were spoken by the disciples, they were languages that could be understood. Uh, I, I, I can speak a little bit of Spanish, but I, for me, I know that that's not me being filled with the Holy Ghost. That's a language I already know, Okay. But in Acts chapter 2, they began to speak in languages that were identifiable by people that heard them, or that were standing around, okay? Because it poured out of the upper room. They went out into the street, and they thought that they were drunk. Peter had to stand up on the day of Pentecost and say, these men are not drunk. Like, you look, look, look what time it is, okay? Then he begins to preach, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, Joel. Uh, it, was, it was prophetic fulfillment. Okay, now let's continue. Why tongues? Preacher, you mean to tell me I need tongues? Can I be filled with the Holy Ghost without the tongues? Let me give you the short answer. 
No. No. That's not my opinion, nor is that the stance of the Assemblies of God only. It's what the Bible teaches. Can you be filled with the Holy Ghost and not have the initial evidence or sign that I've been filled? No. Now, don't get mad at God, uh, at what he chose as a sign. I believe that he chose, this is my opinion, I believe he chose the tongue as a sign because that's what we have problems with. The tongue, it's the smallest member of your body, but it's set on fire from hell. The tongue gets people, the tongue starts wars, the tongue brings the, the tongue will literally set your life on a path of destruction, a tongue that's out of control. You don't believe me? Why did God choose a tongue, another tongue, a heavenly tongue? Because he knows that your tongue, that little member in your body, it needs to be controlled by the Holy Spirit of God. I wish somebody would shout amen, preacher. I know my tongue needs to be controlled by God. People, why, why the tongue? Ask God about it. When you get to heaven, say, Lord, why another tongue? He'll tell you. Uh, I know some of you like, I wish the evidence wasn't another tongue. Take it up with God. Amen. He's God. He can do what he wants. All right? Now, Luke says that they spoke in other tongues, languages they weren't their own. Secondly, Paul's writings imply that the spirit, the spirit-inspired languages may not always be human. Now, this is where I need to spend a, m a moment before you go home. When we're baptized in the Holy Spirit, the initial evidence is going to be that you speak in another tongue. Okay? In Paul's writing, what, happens in Acts, what happened in Acts 2, they spoke in languages that were understood that were not known to them. Let me, let me say that if I wasn't clear. In Acts 2, they spoke in other languages that they didn't know. In Paul's writing, he uses another term in Greek. It's not just glossa. It's not just a language. It also can be heavenly, spiritual or even angelic. Now, you should know this scripture. Take note of it. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Let's read it now. Now, now sister, go back. I, we don't have time to read all of that. 1 Corinthians 13 verse 1. Now, I need you to give me verse 2 and verse 14. Okay, not 2 through 14. Ready? Watch what Paul says here. This is key. When you are filled with the Holy Ghost, you're going to speak in another tongue initially. Okay? It's going to be a language that is not known to you. It might be a language that is spoken somewhere here on earth at one point or another. It might be. But it can also be a spiritual language, a heavenly language, or an angelic language, whichever you prefer. Okay? Ready? Read. If I speak in the tongues of and... Wait, read that again. If I speak in the tongues of men and... But have not love, I'm what? Now, Paul is bringing balance to this, to, to, to these gifts of the Spirit, this... Operating of the Spirit, he says, I can, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, that tells us that there is such a thing as an angelic tongue. He didn't speak by happenstance. That's there on purpose. Okay? Now, give me the text. Uh, let's, go, let's go to the next verse, uh, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 2. Ready? Read. For one who speaks in a tongue. Oh, I need everybody reading. We're going to go home. Ready? Read. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but for no one. But he utters... Good. So, verse 14. For if I pray in a tongue, my, but my mind, it's unfruitful. 
So go back to verse 2. This is key. Give me verse 2. Says you're doing great tonight. So good. Verse 2. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men but to God. Now this is why I want, I'm out of time. But we'll talk, we'll talk more about this next week if that's okay with you. Because there's a lot more to cover. But what a blessing it is to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. To be filled with the Spirit. Here's why. Because the Bible talks about how the Spirit prays for us. Intercedes for us with moanings. Things that, things that cannot be understood even by you. In other words, I'm grateful that there are times that my words are not sufficient. And the Spirit begins to pray. I grew up in a home where I could hear my mom praying in the Holy Spirit at 3.34 in the morning from the living room. Praying for us, interceding for us. When we speak in another tongue, we're not speaking to men, but we're speaking to who? We're speaking to God. Now, how many can confess tonight that sometimes your words are imperfect? Everybody should be like, well, that's me. How many can say tonight that sometimes you, you run out of words to say to God, but it's not because your heart's already empty, you just... This is when being filled with the Spirit and having that prayer language really becomes such a blessing to us. You begin to pray in the tongue that the Lord has given you. Thank God for that privilege. Thank God for that blessing of spirit baptism. Okay, verse 14 now before we close. Verse 14. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays. But my mind's unfruitful. It doesn't mean that his mind is disconnected. What he's saying is that when I pray in another tongue, it's my spirit praying. It's my spirit praying, okay? Not in the understanding, you're praying in the spirit. Some of you have heard that term, pray in the spirit. That's when you're praying in another tongue, okay? Everybody clear on that? Say amen if you're following. All right, good. We're, we're, we're done here. I only have one more thing to write, and that's this. Nowhere does the scripture indicate that one may be baptized in the spirit without speaking in tongues. You won't find it. Trust me, you can go and investigate it, go home scour your Bible. If you find it, I'll tear it out of your Bible and I'll eat it myself. You're not going to find it there. Nowhere in the Bible does it talk about one being filled with the Spirit without that evidence of speaking in another tongue. You're not going to find it anywhere. I had a good friend of mine, a, a, a sister in Christ, uh, went to Bible school, studied, and, and she one day she came into my office and said, Pastor, I, I just want to talk to you because I no longer believe that being baptized in the Holy Spirit, that the initial evidence is speaking in another tongue. I think that there are other evidences of being filled with the Spirit. And I said, my sister, I agree. There are many, many evidences of being filled with the Spirit. But where you're on, where you're on shaky ground is where you'd come and tell me that you don't believe that that's the initial evidence. And I, all I had to ask her was that. Show me in the scripture where one is filled with the spirit and they don't speak in another tongue. She couldn't. Why? It's not there. Are there other evidences and benefits of being filled with the spirit? Yes. Are there other initial evidences? Physical evidences, initial evidences that you've been filled? There are not other evidences in the scriptures. Yes, he gives you power, boldness to be witnesses, boldnesses, boldness or power to die for Jesus. That's what that word means, martyr. But the initial evidence is speaking in another tongue. Are you following the teaching tonight? Good. We're going to end right here. We'll pick up next week if that's okay with you. It's a big subject to cover. I think I did pretty good with the amount of time we had. Everybody stand. Yeah, let's give the Lord praise. Everybody standing. Brother, I'm going to give you my notes, all right? Take them home. I know I promised to give you stuff. I'm going to give you my notes, okay? So see me after church. You got a question? Can I wait till next week or you want it now? Go ahead. What is it? Uh, when, uh, to get the Holy Spirit like that, do we have to ask for it? Like, do we have to ask for it? 